welcome to the Limitless Church Podcast. In this week's episode, you'll be hearing from Bishop Scotty Scott as he presents the message, Blueprints. Love is the foundation of God's plans. We hope you enjoy. As we're talking about blueprints, as you were talking about blueprints, and there's so many ways in this passage today that's that's, in the, that's, that's before us today that I could go in 50 million directions. But I believe I'm hearing the spirit of the Lord of what direction he wants me to go in. So we're going to go this way. Amen. But as we're talking about blueprints, you can't talk about blueprints without talking about instructions. Because after all, blueprints are building instructions. They're not just plans, but what good is a plan if it's not followed? Can I get an Amen. And, and, and what the blueprints are, are not only the plan, but the order of the plans. Do you know when you build a house or you build any building, they don't just give you one set of plans. Inside those set of plans, the reason why it's called a set of plans is because it's not just one plan, it's layers of plans upon plans. That there's a plan for the foundation, there's a plan for the framing, there's a plan for the roof, there's a plan for the plumbing, there's a plan for the electric, there's a plan, is anybody with me? And if you really look at the plans, you'll see them layered one on the other as the building process is supposed to take place. That means that you don't bring the electric team in before you bring the foundation team in because you need the foundation for anything to be built first and then the whole structure has to be there for you to lay some wires on. If there are no walls, there is no need for wire. If there is no roof, there's nothing for it to hang from. Anybody with me? And so, and so, and so the, it's really a set of plans. That means it's not just plans, but it's instructions. That means it's step by step, by step, by step. And so the important thing to understand this is that I almost brought out here uh, one, of my, one of my daughters, we, for her birthday, we bought her this like Power Wheels car, right? And, 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 and I looked at it on the web, on, on you know, the dot com, and I won't tell you what store, but I have a, it's not an advertisement. And, 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 I, and, I, and I and I put them, looked on the dot com and I ordered it because it looked like exactly what she would need and what she, what she li- would like and want. And, and then I hit send. And so they sent it. Well, I didn't know they send the thing and then you got to put the thing together. <sighs> and by the time, this was not just some assembly required. This was like all assembly required. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm graced for many things, but mechanics are not necessarily my gifting. Amen. And, and, so, and, so, and so it was me, not a choice of like looking at parts and trying to figure it out. It was a choice of, I need this book that came with this thing because I need step one. I know it may look self-explanatory to somebody, but to me, I need to know step one, step two, step three. 
But here's the thing about instructions. Instructions require patience. Uh, anybody ever got impatient in the middle of instructions because you thought, man, I got this? Anybody? anybody, anybody any, okay, never mind. Anybody ever, I know everybody, we got navigation in the phone, but we didn't always have navigation in our phone, and we didn't always have it in our car. Anybody, anybody ever need directions, but not, but not get directions, even though you need directions, because you figured you could figure out how to get there? Oh, oh, I know we don't do that now, because we just push it in, but... But trust me, that used to be a thing. There used to be a thing where we would, we would just like, oh, I need, I need directions, but I'm going to figure out how to get there because after all, I know south and east and north and west. And then you wind up going in circles. It's because instructions, directions need patience. Because you just want it done. I just wanted the thing shipped. I wanted to buy it, it come prepackaged. I slide the whole car out of a box. <laughs> and then if I was gonna, if I was gonna build what it was, I was gonna have to go through the steps, even if the steps seemed tedious. And even if the steps required me to labor over it, I was still going to have to follow the steps because if I missed the steps, She ain't having too much fun. And, and here's where we are in our text. Because God wants to build a thing in your life. God is, what God wants to build for you, anything you can think of pales in comparison. The life that God intended for your life to be built into, the life God intends for your marriage, the life God intended for your family, you ain't seen a dream house till you've seen God's dream house. In fact, he said, I am able to do abundantly and exceedingly above all you could ever ask or think according to the power that works in you. That means I want to download, I'm going to download my blueprints and my plans in your spirit. Now you can go with what's in your mind. And you can build according to the way you want to. But if you'll let me work with what's in your spirit and not in your head, if you'll let what I'm speaking in you and what I've told you begin to instruct what's in your head instead of your head trying to instruct what's in your heart, I will then begin to build abundantly and exceedingly above all you can ask or think. The only limitation is your own limitation of what you've limited God to do or be able to do in your mind. But that's why he wants you to go, no, it's not about what you think. If you build according to what you think, you're going to live so far less than what God already knows for you. And he said, I know the plans I have for you. 
Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans for a hope and a future and a predetermined end. I put your end down in you, in my plan in you. You can come up with your own if you want to, but if you'll submit to my plan that I put in your spirit and let this power begin to do the work, this power in you will bring you into abundantly and exceedingly above all you could ever ask, think, or build yourself. <laughs> in fact, he turned to his disciples and he said, follow me. That's one of my most powerful scriptures I ever, in all of scripture. He said, follow me and I'll make you. I love it. I love it because they're already doing something when he finds them. Because God doesn't use lazy people. God finds doers. God finds doers. God don't find people who will let somebody else do. God finds somebody who will do. He found them employed. Already with a job. And he said, will you let me change your occupation? I'm not going to change what you do. I'm going to change how you do it. I'm going to use what you do and take what you do and take it to another level. Follow me. Drop your nets. Follow me and I'll make you fishers. They were fishers when he found them. I'm not going to change your fishing. I'm going to change what you fish for. <laughs> I'm going to take what you do, and if you'll let me, I'll do abundantly and exceedingly above what you ever thought what you do could. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I just need, I'm going to take the power in you and then do abundantly and exceedingly above it, and I'll take it to a dimension. But in order to do that, you can't do this thinking it up. He said, you got to do this. Follow me, and I will make you. Your job is not to make you. Your job is to follow me. Ain't it amazing that whenever you start doing instructions, they call it following? Did you, you had somebody, you had somebody, something you put together and it wound up the wrong way, they're going to say, well, did you? Did you follow the instructions? <laughs> Did you follow the instructions? See, when he says, follow me, see, we have this idea about being Christ-like. You can't be Christ-like till you're ready to follow the Christ life. Ooh. Hmm. When he said, follow me, he wasn't just saying, get behind me. When he said, follow me, he was saying, what you see me do, follow what you see me do. What I do is an instruction for what you do. And if you do what I do, you can get what I got. And, my, oh, and I'll turn you into what you could never be on your own and you don't have to do it you just have to follow me doing it and do what I do and if you follow me I will make you if you stop following 
I can't make. But as long as you follow, I'll keep making. And I've never got an incomplete on my report card. That good work that I begin in you, I will be faithful to completing you. I am not going to half make you. I'm not going to half bake you. I'm not going to half get you there. I'm not going to half... Oh, I'm not going to get you part of the way and not see you become everything. I will complete that work that I begin in you. And if it becomes incomplete, it's not because I stop making. It's somewhere along the way, some step of instruction, you stopped following. Turn to your neighbor and say, here's the blueprint. And in our text right here, in our text, I'm hurrying. In our text, I want you to go to that first. I want you to go to the Moses scripture. And Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness. As Moses lifted up a serpent in the wilderness. Do you want to know what he's referring to? He's referring to a moment in Israel's history where they're halfway to instruction. They're, they've come out of Egypt, but they're not yet in the promised land. And they're dealing with the dilemma of becoming everything God called them in Egypt. Because he didn't wait till they were there to call them there. Because God doesn't look at you through where you are. He looks at you through where you're going. And so while they were in prison and in chains, he said, you are the children of promise. And he told them that he had a promised land for them while they were in Egypt. And they come out with the promise. And now they've started out of Egypt, but they're not yet to the promise. And they're in the wilderness. They're in the process. Somebody say process. Who? Huh. The process. See, everyone thinks that the wilderness is a test. The wilderness is not a test. The wilderness is the process. The wilderness is just where you learn to be who you already are. It's where God makes you into what he said you were before you were it while you were in a mess. Hmm. And now they're coming through halfway there. And they're, they're getting impatient. If you read this text, Numbers 21, that's homework for you. Numbers 21 will show you that all of a sudden Israel gets halfway there and they start lifting their voice up against two people, not one. They lift their voice up against God and Moses. <laughs> I found out as God's mouthpiece, they ain't mad at you. They just mad at the voice. You just happen to be the mouthpiece that he spoke through. So now they mad at both of you. And, the, and they lifted up their voice against God and against Moses because they began to be impatient. And this is that text where they said, did you bring us out here to perish and to die? And they start complaining about food. And they start complaining and say, wouldn't it not better if we go back into Egypt? 
You ever get in the middle of your instructions when you're trying to build a thing and then feel like, man, I wish I would have bought something else. <laughs> I feel like just shipping this thing. <laughs> Do they have a return policy for this thing? It's because instructions requires patience. Because instructions means there's a process. You ask for a miracle, God gives you an instruction. You ask for a breakthrough, God gives you an instruction. You ask for deliverance, God gives you an instruction. You ask for God to do a thing and God gives you an instruction. Because every blessing, every miracle, every breakthrough from God always comes with an if-then clause from God. It means if you, then I. If my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn, step, 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 humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then, mm, step one, humble yourself. Step two, seek my face. Because you won't seek right if you're prideful. No one ever seeks what they think they already are. Humble yourself. Seek my face. Turn from your wicked ways. Because when you seek my face, we're going to show you something today. When you seek me and really seek me, it shows you. When you seek my face, it shows your face. And the moment you see his face, it shows you what you got on your face. And now when you see it, it's not enough to see it if you don't turn from it. See, that's what this generation doesn't understand. This generation thinks just seeing it is all we needed to do for him to forgive it. That's why we're big on confession. We're all a mess. We're just sinners saved by grace. We're just all wretched. None of us are perfect. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's why we look at everybody like they're no different than anybody. There isn't a difference in whether we sin or not, but there is a difference in our righteousness. Ooh. It's his righteousness, but how much you walk in it is a difference. Can I get an amen? Can we act like there is a difference? Maybe, maybe we don't think there's a difference because we ain't different. Maybe it's because we act just like, because church is something we do on Sunday and then we live like the world the rest of it. We make decisions like they do, we do what they do. And because there's no difference, we just think there's no difference and we don't want them to think we're different and we don't want them to think we're prideful and we don't want them to think we're self-righteous so we don't walk in any righteousness. Because he says, seek my face, turn from your wicked ways because when you see me it'll change you watch step by step if 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 then if you hear my word and hearken to my commandment then you shall be blessed in the city blessed in the field blessed when you come blessed when you go blessed when you rise up if you return unto me with your whole heart I will open the winds of heaven and pour you out. Ain't it amazing that you want the outpouring? We want the miracle. We want the life of God. We want the blessing of God. And he comes and we ask for it. And he says, all right, I'm ready to give it. Now do this. And we have this problem because we think he's already done everything. All I need to do is receive a thing. Yes, you just need to receive a thing, but if you don't open the door and reach out and grab the package and bring it in, it's there. 
It's been delivered, but you've never received it because receiving it requires you to do something in order to know it's been received. Oh. And now he's saying, you know, it's just, he comes and, they, and they're complaining and they're, 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 they're crying out. And they're, What's wrong with you, Moses? What's wrong with you? He brought us out here to die. And all of a sudden, God says, all right, here's what I want you to do, Moses. I want you to get some good venomous snakes. I'm gonna, I want you to get a bunch, a mess of, I'm going to send, I'm going to send a mess of venomous snakes in the camp of Israel. Ooh, I don't know about you. I haven't met one I like. I haven't met a snake I like. The only, the only snake I like is a dead snake. I don't care. Someone said, well, this, uh, you need to keep that snake around because it's healthy. Well, okay. I, I'm, I am not going to take the time. I don't know them enough. Maybe I need to know snakes better. But I, I don't know him enough to know whether he's to keep or not to keep. So I'm just going to go ahead and kill him, and then you can figure out whether I should have kept him or not. Just because, that's just me, pray for, pray for Bishop. Just because, just, just because I've not met one I like, don't want to be around, ain't going to try to figure it out. He said, I'm going to send a mess of snakes into the camp until they are going to be plagued with snakes, vipers, and they're going to start biting people in the sleep everywhere and dying. Ooh. Why did he say that? It's because that's what murmuring is. That's what hmm, critical complaining spirits are. They're vipers. Because when they get near you and they bite you, you die from what's in their mouth. And he said, I want to, I want to, I want to, I'm going to, Take these vipers and they're going to strike people. And where they are, they're going to die because, because this critical condemning spirit is killing their promise. And I'm going to show them what it is. And, and all of a sudden, they begin to cry out to Moses and say, we're, we're sorry that we, we sinned against God and against you. Ain't it amazing they cried out and said, we sinned against God and you because they begin to understand authority now? And all of a sudden, they, we sinned against God and you. Get God, let God save us. And God said, all right, now, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get and make a bronze serpent and put it on a rod. And I want you to lift the bronze serpent. That's, in fact, where we get our medical symbols today. We get our medical symbols from the sign of, anybody ever wonder why there's a snake on the thing that's supposed to be healing you? Is because it's the whole symbolism of what happened with Moses when he lifted up this rod with the serpents on it. And he said, anyone that turns and looks at the serpent on this stick will live and be healed of the serpent that they were bit from. <laughs> Why would God, Jesus, come and say, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so shall the man of, son of man be lifted up? Why? Why would he equate a serpent on a rod to Jesus on a cross? 
Why? It's because, oh Lord, the moment he stepped up on the stick, he put on your sin and he became sin who knew no sin. And the only way you are free from the sin that bit you is when you look at the healer who became the venom that now you are healed by his antidote. Oh, oh, touch your neighbor say, look and live, look and live, look and live. He said, if you look at it, all you got to do is see it. Why? It's because if you look at Jesus on the cross, you should not just see a savior. You should see the savior of your sin. You should look at him. And the moment you really see him, it shows you you. It shows you where you're falling. It shows you where you're weak. It shows you where you're broken. It shows you where you turn. It shows you where you're sinful and empty and broken. And the moment you look at it and it shows you it, it now gives you the ability Ability to receive the grace that only comes from him becoming it that now you can be his righteousness because he is your sinfulness <laughs> he became your sin so you could walk free from it he became your disease so you could be healed he became your loneliness so that you would never be alone in your life again. <sighs> he became your depression so you could have his joy. Did you never say, look and live? Look and live. Look and live. live and he turns and he says whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life hmm. and he starts turning and he starts talking about light and darkness keep going verse, verse 16 Whosoever believes in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, who believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but through him the world might be saved. He said, I, I want you to see that he didn't send light into the dark just to show you how dark you are. He sent you that when you were in dark, you could have the light. Because when you're in real dark, light becomes very valuable. And he said, I didn't come just to tell you you're dark, you're dark, you're dark, you're dark, you're dark. I came while you were in the dark. And I became a light. This is the problem with light in the dark. Is that sometimes 
when you're accustomed to living in the dark. It's hard to handle light. Anybody ever been in a real, real dark room for a long time and then somebody hit the light? <laughs> you felt like gremlins and stuff? Bright light, bright light, bright light, bright light, bright light. Some of y'all too young to remember that movie. Because the light was too bright because of how dark it was. And while you want the light, it's hard to receive the light because you're used to dark. The crazy thing is that we have a generation that ain't just used to the dark. They've learned how to love the dark. They haven't just learned how to live in it. They've learned to love living in it. It's like if you were in a pitch black room trying to get from that door to that door and there's obstacles all in the way and it's completely black and dark and you're stumbling all over the place and all of a sudden over in the corner you see that there's a light switch and refusing to go hit the light when you know there's light because you'd rather stumble in the dark because you're so adjusted to the dark that now you love this dark mm, oh. see why would someone want the dark when they have the light it's because dark gives me a reason and an excuse to trip. Because if I'm in the dark, I can't see. And if I can't see, when I fall, I can just say, I can't see, because it's too dark. And so I'm going to learn to love the dark, because I love the excuse of my failure rather than having the answer to it. Hmm. I'd rather talk about how bad my life is and everybody know, you know what I'm going through. Anybody been to that testimony service? Y'all, you know, some of y'all know my situation. You know what I'm dealing with with Johnny. Remember that? Remember that? Remember that small church back then? Small church always does that testimony service. And if it wasn't small before, it will be small after that testimony service. Because they use testimony service to glorify their problem more than glorify God. Because they stand up and talk about, oh, y'all pray for me. Like, 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 like God ain't a deliverer. He just understands my problem. Like he's not the answer, he's just the one that understands my situation. And so we bring our, magnify our situation so that people don't expect anything out of us because they don't expect anything because they know my situation. 
as if my situation gives me deliverance from expectation. <sighs> because if you just understood me, you'd know there's a reason. Because it's just so dark in my world. <sighs> I'm not negating your dark. I'm just saying, have you seen the switch? I mean, it's right there. I mean, it's really right there. I mean, it's right there. All you got to do is hit the switch, and he'll show you the way out of this dark. Oh, Lord have mercy. He is the light of the world. That means while we're trying to figure out darkness, trying to figure out how to get out of darkness, we won't receive the light but we want to figure the way darkness wants to resolve darkness. Can I tell you darkness can never resolve darkness? Can I tell you darkness can never fight darkness? Because darkness is just darkness. The only hope for darkness is the light. And can I tell you that darkness isn't to blame for darkness? That's why we can't blame the world for the world because the world has no other answer because the world is the problem and has the problem because they walk in darkness if we're going to blame the situation we can't blame it on those who have no light we have to blame it on those that are the light but refuse to be the light and let darkness rule and reign because the only way darkness rules is not in opposition of light, but in the absence of light. Because when light comes, darkness has to go. When light comes, darkness has to flee. Hit your neighbor and say, turn the light on, 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 turn the light on. I know truth is uncomfortable, but you got to be able to embrace the truth if you're going to be free from the lie. And as long as you want to keep living the lie and keep trying to answer a lie with another lie, keep living the lie. But if you really want to live free and you really want to live true, the truth you know will set you free when you really want out of the dark You'll say, God, hit the light. I'm ready for the light. Hmm. You can come to the instrument. I'm done. Ooh, anybody receive anything today? You say, why, why, why are you saying all this? Go, go with me to Ephesians. Go with me to Ephesians. He said, but God who is rich in mercy, for his great love hath Wherefore he hath loved us, even while we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, and hath raised us together up with him in heavenly places. Hold one second. We were in the dark, but received his light. And now, his light through us makes us the light to the world. Not just to the world, to our world. It means maybe, maybe whatever darkness is trying to overtake your house ain't going to be answered by something outside of it. It's going to become when you become the light in it. Because if you light the house, darkness cannot stay. 
Stand with me all over this room. He has raised us up together. Watch this. Jesus was the answer. He's the, he's the serpent on the scepter. He's the light of the world. If you look, you live. But he said, I've let my light shine. But now, my light shines through you. And he said to them, he said, now you are the light of the world. Well, is he the light or are we the light? Remind me of the beginning. In the beginning, there was no light. <laughs> the earth was without form and void and darkness complete and total darkness there wasn't a flash wasn't an ember wasn't a spark wasn't a star wasn't a, wasn't a candle complete and total darkness the abyss of darkness covered the face of the earth there was no such thing as a morning there was no such thing as a tomorrow it was one long darkness called night anybody ever lived there before Anybody ever live in the dark that didn't seem like there was going to be a light? Anybody ever go through a night season that felt like it was going to last forever? Where you felt like there might not be a tomorrow and I'm just going to have to learn how to live in the dark? Is anybody with me here? And the earth, and God said, the first thing he declares to change the world, let there be See, the first word he ever said was let. 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 Oh, hit somebody say let. Oh, the let of God, the let of God, the let of God. Some of y'all, I've told you about the let of God. The let of God is so powerful. If God says let, there ain't nothing that can stop it. If God says let, it's not an ask. He's not please let. Let. Oh, <laughs> Let the let of God, the let of God is so powerful that if, if whatever says, he says let to, does not let, the let will turn on whatever tries to stop it. Ask, ask Pharaoh how powerful the let of God is. When God says, let my people go, he, he turned and said, you go tell Pharaoh, let my child go. Israel is my firstborn son. Watch this. He said, this ain't just some people. This is my boy. Israel, the nation, is my son. He said, you go tell Pharaoh. Anybody ever have that conversation about your children? Like, I don't know who did what. I don't know what what did. But they better let go of my boy. They better. <laughs> Woo. I'm not talking about whose fault it is or who's right or who's wrong. But that is my son. You better go tell whoever you got to tell to uh, let my child go. Oh, and because Pharaoh refused to let his son go, God said that let will turn on Pharaoh's firstborn son because he did not let go of my firstborn son and I'll let it turn on him until he has to let what I said let go. Oh God, 
Oh, touch somebody next to you and say, let, 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 let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. I dare you to speak over somebody's darkness. Speak over to somebody's darkness. Speak over somebody's situation and say, let there be light. Let there be light. I dare you to get to your child's bedroom when you walk home this Sunday afternoon. Right in, right, step right in the middle of their room. I don't care how they've been acting. I don't care how crazy they've been in their head. In the name of Jesus, walk in that room and say, let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be light. I don't care what the banker told you. Says you can't get the loan. I dare you, jump right into his office, jump on top of his desk, right on the loan papers, and say, let there be light. Doctor looks at you, shakes his head, and tells you, you, can, you got to die and cannot live and tells you you got six months and tells you you got maybe three years you need to just dry the tears for a moment jump up on top of his examination table and say let there be light let there be light I will live and not die I will declare the works of the Lord let there be light hear somebody say let there be light 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 he said let there be light and there was light and the light shined in the darkness, the darkness comprehended it not. And, and he divided the light from the darkness in the beginning. Because when light comes, it brings separation between darkness and light. And he divided the lightness, and the light he called day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. That was the first day. He doesn't create the sun or moon until day four. Wait a minute. Day four, I can look up at the sky and say, that's where the light comes from in the daytime and say, that's the sun, that's where the light shines from. On day four, I can look up at night and say, that's the moon, that's where the light's coming from. Where are you going to look on day one, two, and three? See, here's the problem. We're trying to speak to spiritual darkness and have a rational, natural answer. Oh. See, the answers to this world are not going to come natural and then spiritual. They always have to come spiritual and then natural because the spiritual is the parental sphere whereby the natural gives birth. That's why we can't answer this with humanitarianism. We can't answer hunger by just feeding people. Get, bless God, we're going to feed people. But feeding people ain't going to answer poverty because poverty ain't a food problem. It's a spiritual problem. Oh, is anybody with me right now? In this? Nobody wants to hear me. Anybody want to hear me? Do I have somebody who hears me in here? Look at them say it's spiritual. It's spiritual. But on day four, he speaks the sun. Watch this. And he says, he created the sun to rule the day. And the moon to rule the night. Why, if he's got light already, why would he create a sun or a moon if it's already light and day and dark night? It's because when he does something spiritual, he always puts something in the natural to uphold the spiritual. Why would he bring us to be light when he is the light? Is because he is the light spiritually. We are the natural that upholds the spiritual. And now we, him through us, is the light of the world. Ooh. 
That's why if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. Sing. If if you'll be, if you'll participate with me, I just need your natural. I just need your body. I just need your obedience. I just need your following. I just need your following. I'll send the instructions. I'll do the work. This ain't your work. This is my work. But if you'll do what I created you to do, I can do my work through you. Why do you think he says this is not of works but you are the workmanship of God. Look at your neighbor say I was built for this. The whole reason he created you and you are the workmanship of God. That means the, look he says not under works but you are the workmanship of God unto good works. Wait a minute. He just said it's not of works and then he said now you're the work mission up to works. Well, am I working or not working? Because he said it's not my works, but then he said workmanship under works. Mm. That means it's not your work, but you weren't built to do your work. He didn't work. You are not the workmanship of his hand for you to do what you do. He created you as his workmanship to be the tool in his hand for his work. It's not your light. It's his. That's why he created the sun. Watch this. The sun to rule the day and the moon to rule the night. Well, the sun is Jesus. Because there is no light that comes to the earth that doesn't come through the sun. There's no energy on the earth and power on the earth that doesn't come through that sun. The sun is the source of the light. And the sun rules the day. But when the sun is no longer visible in the earth, he didn't leave us without a light. He said, that's why I created the moon. But the moon is not the sun. Because the sun is the source of light. But the moon has no source of its own. The moon is not the source of light, though it's the light that shines in the night. The only way the moon is the light is if it's in proper position in the heavens that now lifted in the heavens in proper alignment, it becomes the reflection of the sun and the reflection on the moon now becomes the light of the world. He is the sun, but we are the moon. We have been seated with him in heavenly places that he might show forth. Lift your hands all over this room. I know I've gone long. I want to teach somebody and show somebody it's the house that love built. That he did all this through love, for love. Because he didn't come to condemn the world, he came to be the light of the world. And he's not trying to show you your shortcomings to show you how shortcoming you are. He's saying, will you let me 
make you who you already are. Before, that I ordained before the foundation of the world. Because before the foundation of the world, I put you in this season and in this time for you to be a light to the world. That I love this world enough.